Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning. It's Friday morning, and we are going to be talking money, talking money, I guess we might say, for the next hour. You need to stay with us. We have Nathan Green, a certified financial planner, with us today. And also, of course, my co-host, Jeremy Jones. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we are packed with just information up on top of information. Am I not correct, Mr. Lewis Jones? I think so. We've been talking about it uh, all morning and all week, and so a lot of information. But I, I would think first we... Well, uh, would like to mention, you know, as we were driving in this morning. Yes, we were. And we noticed flag half staff, right? Yes, that's, and, it is. And, and 14 it, years. 14 years ago. Yeah, that seems like uh, seems like yesterday, but it has been. It has been a long time. You yeah, know absolutely. what I mean? I was thinking about it this morning and was having my quiet time. And, you know, you think about all the families that were affected by that. The reality being is, um, do you know where, do you remember where you were? I do. That's an event that you'll never forget. Nathan, you remember where you were? Absolutely. I mean, all of us do. I know. I mean, we all don't forget because it's such an event for that purpose. And so um, I'm sure everybody driving right now, just stop and pause, not stop. Just (laughs) pause, I guess. And let's do uh, remember uh, that this is the anniversary of 9-11. Guys, I want to ask you a question. There's some things going on in the market, Jeremy. I mean, it has been a very busy week. Up and down, yo-yo type style. This is the typical correction. I had a call yesterday, and somebody was asking me, so what I thought. And I said, well, you know, we kind of anticipated, wanted, desired, you know, needed. All those things can go on about a correction. But this is about as textbooks as you can get. It's dropped. It stayed down. You guys did a great program last week, and I wasn't here. I got a chance to listen to you. And uh, as you talked about, you know, all the volatility and volatility, you have to see volatility two ways, good and bad, but it's all volatility. It's part of the process. So, yeah, I think when we say volatility, a lot of people take volatility as it's only one way and that's down. Right. Well, it's really both ways. And so that's the reason why it's it can it's a good thing, uh, you know. And so you got to know that it's just it's not just down; it's down and up. You know, and I, I had someone that they were asking a question, and they said, you know, well, I got out of my stocks, I got out of stocks, I got out of the market per se back in July. Well, if you do that, you know, and you did, and then you're a hero because you know you you read all the signs, you picked at the right time, and. And you decided, hey, I'm getting out because the market's going to go down, volatility downward. Now, here's the problem. What do you do next? Right. So you, you look like a hero. Right You're now, not you necessarily do. a hero yet. Well, not yet. You know, until you actually do something with it and take advantage of it. Uh, but getting back in is always the key. And well, th- talk about those five or six or seven days that we have to mess with. Those are some facts that you've got for well, us. Well, one fact that I had is, you know, we're coming upon, uh, you know, a lot of volatility. We talked about August and September. But, you know, one thing is a scary uh, statistic that we have is five of the seven worst percentage loss days for the S&P 500 in the last 65 years, dating back to 1950, occurred during the month of October. October. 
All right, so that means that we can anticipate that five of the seven worst days. Just in the last 65 years. That's uh, historical numbers. Now, the three best percentage gain days in the S&P 500 in the last 65 years. Uh, Drum roll when that occurred. Which month? (laughs) Okay, I have no clue. One out of 12 chances. I'm going to say October. October again, it is. Well, you don't know, what does that tell us? That you just can't pick based on statistical numbers. Granted, there's all kind of charts. And you and I, you know, we dig through the charts and do all those things. Keith does a great job with the charts. But as soon as you pick one and you say, I'm getting out of the market in July or August or whenever you decided to, then you have to be able to pick the exact time to get back in or you get caught in what we call the whipsaw. And the whipsaw can Absolutely. just dips you up if you're not careful. So sure. Anything else on facts for us? Well, one other thing is when we talk about, you know, everything's uh, related to the S&P 500. The total return of the S&P 500 over the last five calendar years is up 105 percent total return. So the best 12 trading days during those five years, so 12 days out of the 1,258 total trading days, produced a 53.7% gain. So basically what that's saying is, so 1% of the trading days, 1% over the last five years were responsible for 51% of the index's total return. So that's basically saying we don't know. you got to stay in. you got to participate because you don't know when the best and worst days are going to be. So you don't want to miss them for sure. We've talked about that. We got a lot of statistics talking about missing the the five worst or five best days. You know, there's a lot of things to that. Well, the reality is at the second half of the program, we're going to get into some fundamentals that you need to stay away from in this whole idea of what's up and down in the market, how to how to handle that, some of the psychological thought processes that we encourage clients, encourage our listeners to do. We'll do that in the second half. When we come back, though, we've got Nathan Green. We're going to be talking about an important subject for anybody who is beginning to build their net worth, whether you've just come out of college and you've just gotten started in a business or you're a senior executive and you're working hard and you see your assets growing. How do you title assets for creditor protection? There's some strategies that we want you to know about. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. 
And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Nathan Green and Jeremy Jones. Nathan Green's our special guest today. He is going to be talking about titling of assets for creditor protection strategies. And Nathan, you're a certified financial planner, sir. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Jim. You know, one of the things, Nathan, that so many, when we talk about creditor protection, I mean, immediately, and Jeremy and I were kind of tossing this back and forth during the break, Reality is, would you give us an explanation of what creditor protection, for all of our listeners, creditor protection, what does that actually mean? Well, when, the, uh, when we really get down to the, the core of it, we're really looking at when the banks come after you or when you're in a lawsuit scenario, uh, what does the legal system or the bank system have as an opportunity to come after and, and get from you? What of your assets can they come after? I, we talk about a lot of different variables, a lot of different opportunities that put you in this scenario, uh, I think the one that affects all of us more and more these days is the item of, of uh, having your identity stolen. Somebody steals your identity, runs up a lot of credit cards, well, you're on the hook and liable for these things. What can the bank then come after as repayment for? Uh, obviously, back in 2008, businesses' failings, you are on the hook for uh, all your liabilities. That make, I mean, as you said on the offline, Jim, the bank is your friend when they're lending to yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they really do want to come by and, you know, they bring you the gift bags and mm-hmm. the water jugs or whatever when you're borrowing money from them. But if you miss a couple of payments, that can be a real battle. You know, that can it can get uh, very ugly very quick. That's absolutely and, uh, right. Most people don't understand that. Yeah, I, I do. Had, I had a guy that said, you know, he would work with his bankers all the time, and if we hadn't have done some of the things that you're talking mm-hmm. about right a few minutes, this would have been a disaster for him. He would not be unable to retire because back during the 2008 crunch, Jeremy, as we know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All things were going great prior to that. Then all of a sudden, everything went sour. And, you know, it was like a domino effect. One domino fell, and the next thing you know, they were all falling. And what had been his friends, you know, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, uh, turned into be people that were. And, of course, I don't blame them. They have a job to do. They are responsible to a lender, you mm-hmm. know, to, to, to the bank board and to the bank credit, you know, the officers mm-hmm. and uh, the, the authorities to, to get the money. But uh, it's a problem. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, is, well, it's not the bank's fault that uh, someone's not making the payments. Somebody right. owes it. They signed it. They agreed to pay Absolutely. it back. Mm-hmm. And so they're just lending money, right? So yeah. they're the lender. And, and so uh, they have to get it back. Well, when you're, the individual has to pay it back and you've realized that I can't. You know, then you start looking at what are some avenues that I can go about approaching it. And, you know, bankruptcy comes to mind. But then you start thinking of everything you've built and everything you've developed and everything you've worked hard for. You know, what is what is protected and what's not. All right. That's what we want to start with, Nathan. Mm -hmm. Give us an idea of the high tier. You know, Mm -hmm. what is give us start at the top level and walk through that. Let's start with that group. Number one. Well, I think what you were referring to there is that the assets that are totally and entirely protected in these events. Uh, And these are specifically assets that are going to be in ERISA plans, qualified retirement plans through your employer, for example, a 401k. Now, this is going to be all three states that we are listening on. That's correct. I was in the car the other day, and I went all the way past uh, almost to Bolivar, and we were clear as a bell. You know, that was impressive to that's me. That's just because so, Keith and I were on the radio, you know. exactly, yeah, We extend. We have a further, uh, you know, reaching ability. <laughs> so for our listening audience in Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi, ERISA's protected. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. What's next? Well, once you get beyond your ERISA plans, you also have to consider some of you may have assets in life insurance policies. 
similarly, those are protected from creditors as well, as they are considered life insurance uh, from the IRS level. Now, once we move past ERISA plans and life insurance, uh, then you start to look at other non-qualified but still retirement plans. Not ERISA, rather, but still retirement plans. Would you call these second-tier protection? Absolutely. This would be your second-tier protection. Uh, And there's a lot of different variables. A lot of them are subject to state laws but do offer a lot of protection, Uh, the most notable of which uh, would be something like an IRA, whether it be a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. Um, These plans are, uh, again, subject to state laws, uh, but Universal, if the money is rolled over from an ERISA plan, for example, your 401k. So if you're leaving a company and you roll that money over mm-hmm. to a four, to an IRA. You get to take that creditor protection that, with you. Okay, the creditor protection goes with you at That's that time. That's exactly right. You know, so many people don't think about this. Now, we're trying to make sure we'd say this, too, that we're not giving legal advice today. Right. This is not what our purpose is. We're just trying to give people information mm-hmm. to get them to think about things. If you start building assets, mm-hmm. what you're telling us is two of the best assets to protect you, for to keep your assets from creditors and things like that, is IRA. I mean, your That's 401k, exactly right. a qualified plan. That's exactly and, right. And the difference, give me a difference between a qualified and a non-qualified. Jeremy, what's the difference between a qualified and a Well, qualified is, you know, it's, it's really for retirement. It's, it's ERISA. It's, it's ERISA. It's, it's, di- it's designed for you to save assets for the future and to, you know, defer the taxes. And, and it's really a ret- retirement plan mm-hmm. is really what it is. So when you say qualified, you're putting it in, you're getting, the, you know, the income tax deduction, you're deferring the tax, and it's all about saving for the future. Mm-hmm. And so ERISA, uh, you know, is is actually protecting that, and it's designed for retirement. And so it's not taxable currently, you know, until you start, until you retire and you start taking it out after 59 and a half. So, you know, and, and most when you talk about qualified plans, that's 401ks. That's all types of retirement plans that fall under it. Well, let's make sure everybody knows what ERISA stands for, the <laughs> Employment Retirement Income Security Act. Mm-hmm. And that's been around quite some time, guys. In fact, uh, I remember doing some studies back years ago, uh, years ago, and thinking I had it all down, retirement plans, because that's how I got started in the business. And uh, about 1974... <laughs> That's been a long time ago. That's when ERISA and all the books that I had purchased about the retirement before that, I got this real reality that those books were now worthless. Mm-hmm. So ERISA has been around a long, long time. But uh, important that people know that when you have a plan, it needs to be ERISA qualified. That's what you're saying. Nathan. That's exactly right. So life insurance is also qualified. That is exactly right as well. Okay, now life insurance, you can still put a lot of money in a life insurance plan. They don't mind as long as it's life insurance, as long as you qualify Mm -hmm. for a life insurance policy, personally owned life insurance. That's correct, yes. Now, what I tell my clients, there's a million and one different types of life insurance policies out there, uh, ranging from very complex and very... Death benefit oriented. Yeah, don't just go buy one off the shelf. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like, you know, right, I I hear you. I got you. A lot of different strategies that you can employ with life insurance, but at the same point, the assets that are in a in a true life insurance policy are also protected from creditors. You know, you, you mentioned that. I find most people don't quite understand what literally life insurance Life insurance is obviously to protect your family, mm-hmm. but you do have a lot of benefits that you need, but you need to research it. You need to get somebody to give you some guidance because mm-hmm. it is a very, very complex. Mm-hmm. And most of the people don't think about it. You're just going to buy term. Everybody's going through this period of, I guess, 
in history, it's been term or whole life, and mm-hmm. today we're seeing so many more uh, opportunities from life insurance. Program. Well, I think that's a good point. We're talking about when someone's facing a situation, you know, what's they start looking at what is protected. You know, what 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 is protected from my creditors? Well, the flip side of that is as you're building and accumulating and developing and growing, what are, and you're not in trouble, you know, everything's fine. What are some ways and what are some areas that I can plan for just in case? Yeah. And that's what you're talking about here with, hey, if, as long as you're saving for retirement and you're going into a qualified plan, ERISA plan, that that's going to be protected in the future from creditors if anything happens. Same thing with life insurance. If you have a life insurance policy and there's a lot of cash built up and you're doing it for the protection reasons, that will be protected in the future. Second tier. Secretary, mm-hmm. you mentioned IRAs. Mm-hmm. Be careful with the state laws yep. and primary residence. Yeah, there is such a thing as a homestead exemption. Now, inherently, the house is not protected, but certain states do offer different variables. And I would, uh, due to my not being a lawyer, uh, want to <laughs> well said. Skirt. You know, we're certified financial planners. We're not trying to give legal advice or tax advice. We're just trying to we we act basically. As someone who kind of guides mm-hmm. the client. That's right. We don't have to be the expert. We're not the experts. Right. And we don't pretend to be the experts. But what we do, we have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. And mm-hmm. our idea is is to guide people in the right direction, whether it's set out with a qual- – we have t- attorneys on the air all the time. Certainly. Qualified attorneys that will help someone determine, are they going to qualify for homestead exemption? Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing. And, again, state – law defines what the homestead exemption is and whether you qualify for it. That's so good. Third tier protection, sir. You know, once we get past the uh, qualified plans or IRAs, primary residence, then we get into individually or joint owned assets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is another conversation that I feel like in line with, we mentioned life insurance earlier, in line with the advice that we constantly give, double check your beneficiaries. If you die, who does the money go to? Uh, People tend to forget about that the same way people tend to forget about checking how their assets are owned, Mm. their joint assets are owned. More often than not, I ask a client to bring in, uh, he and his wife or she and her husband, uh, bring in assets and the titling information to know that. And they say, what are you talking about? Exactly. I have no clue what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of those situations that always happens to, and and it happens a lot in divorce, you know, a divorced couple goes through it and they get their divorce decree and the, and the judge and is all laid out. You get this, you get this, it's all taken care of. Well, everybody thinks that once that's on paper, that all the titling is all taken care of. You know, they think that, okay, you get the house, you know, you get this. Well, the person that got the house, the other person's name still on that title. If just they because they changed that, the title. Just because the judge mm-hmm. said it and put it in paper doesn't mean that the titling automatically changes. Right. Fascinating stuff, really, with, uh, with huge implications, obviously. Uh, and do you not see that a lot, though, Nathan? When you're sitting down with a client, you do a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. And I know you work with a lot of professionals. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how often we see this problem. That's exactly right. So to walk us through joint tenants in common, you've got a couple here, and uh, we'll do this. We'll take joint tenant tenants. In, well, first of all, in individuals, there's no protection. That, that's pretty much right. Outside yeah. of, of involving trust work or very specific legal um, or incorporation, whatever it may be, individually owned assets, pretty much no protection. Okay. All but right. in the world of joint assets, you mentioned joint in common. I would say this is the beginning of the joint ownership conversation. 
uh, and it would be applicable to pretty much anybody. Let's say you and I, Jim, wanted to go out and uh, purchase a plot of land together. Well, we could do that, and we would most likely want to own that property joint tenants and in common. Okay. That would technically mean that you own half and I own half or whatever percentage that we right, wanted to come right. up with. Uh, and I have complete discretion over my portion. Similarly, you do as well. If in the event that I die, my share goes to my heirs, not to you, right. but to my heirs. So many people don't know that. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a problem that you see. So why would I do tenants in common? Why well, would somebody do that? The most common scenario would be family members or friends that own a certain property together. Uh, it's very appropriate in the event that, again, you and I, Jim, wanted to own some property, uh, and I wanted my family to have this property whenever I wanted to be done with it. Right. Well, and, and if you want to make decisions with your percentage or your ownership that you have of that property, you know, that's where two people just decide to join up and buy a piece of property together, like you was talking about, you and Nathan. If you wanted to sell your piece to me, you mm-hmm. could do that. That's right. And that gives you the right to do that. And Nathan could decide whether he wanted you as a partner or not. <laughs> well, he might be soon selling his portion after that. But, <laughs> but, but the right. reality is he would have no say-so right. to that. So how does that protect me from a creditor? That's very interesting. Uh, again, going off the concept that I own my share but not your share, right. my creditors can only come after my share. This really makes sense, but in the event that we own this plot or we own this asset, uh, your share is not up for grabs from my creditors. Mm. Uh, so it does limit some of the exposure that we see to creditors in the event of. of you know, that's so. We talk about this all the time, guys. And, you know, people, I'm not sure why people think of a financial planner as we are. And again, we're three certified financial planners. All of us here have spent the time and the energy and the effort. To, to set ourselves apart. And I guess my thought process is when we talk about planning, and next week uh, we're going to have uh, another certified financial planner on that's going to talk about specific, the art of planning and, and why we're going to do that. But today we're just talking about some fundamentals. Yet so many times people forget that that is part of the planning. It's not just having a will. I mean, I've known of people that have said, oh, I got my will and we read it. And you're right, Jeremy, as you said earlier, you, you go through this whole process and the will and the property ownership, as the, by no means does it match. Mm-hmm. Our job is to peel back the onion to keep working through that and uncovering Yeah, that. I think it's key. I was actually meeting with once someone yesterday about what do you want to happen, and then we can try to guide you to help you make that happen. Now, right. we can't make everything happen, and what you desire and what you want to do may not be possible. Right. But if you, you know, it's just like buying a property and you're going to go through all the different options on titling. But you got to if you want something to happen, you want to own it one way. There may be an option. So you just got to know what your options are. Well, if you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones. And our guest today is Nathan Green. We're talking about titling of assets for creditor protection strategies. We've covered a couple and uh, we'll kind of review those when we come back. But the next one we're going to talk about is the third tier of protection, and it's called joint tenants in common. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. 
Talk Money will return after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I am Jim Shoemaker, and I am with uh, two great CFPs, certified financial planners, Nathan Green and Jeremy Jones. Jeremy Jones, my co-host. But before we get back into our questions, guys, let me make a couple of big announcements. We have a lot of game things going on in September at the Germantown Festival this weekend. Great events, going to be beautiful weather. We always do a thing called Secure Child. We want you absolutely to stop by our booth, and uh, it's no obligation on your part. We will take a picture and set up some identification for your children. We've been doing this for probably 15 years in the city. And uh, just stop by at the Germantown Festival at our booth, Shoemaker Financial, and uh, we'll be glad to set you up with that Secure Child event and uh, take care of that. Affordable Care Act in your small business, that's September the 16th, and it's at 1130 lunch. And uh, we'll be talking about Affordable Care Act and what's going on with small businesses. If you happen to be a small business, this would be an event. So just make sure you make put that note September the 16th. And then college tuition is coming, and we'll talk about that even a little bit more with uh, Nathan. But are you ready? That's the question. It's September the 17th at 12 o'clock, and lunch is provided. And then again at 6 o'clock, if you'd like to attend that, college tuition is coming. Are you ready? Terry Hurt and Nathan Powell will be um, sponsoring and hosting that event at the office, so feel free to stop by and do that. And then last but not least, tailoring the estate, the State and Charitable Gift Planning Institute. That's lunch is provided for anybody that would like to attend that. That's 830 to 330 on the 21st of September. It's sponsored, of course, by Shoemaker Financial and the Salvation Army. So a lot of things going on in September, guys. I mean, a busy, busy month. Next week, we've got the Federal Reserve. She will decide what she's going to do. But before we get into that big speculation, mm-hmm. since it's been speculationing for about a year and a half, let's talk about the rest of what you do to protect your assets, how to title your assets for creditor protection. And that is such an important issue. And Nathan, you're doing a great job with us. You've talked about ERISA. You've talked about life insurance. We've talked about uh, state laws. Be careful with that. We're not giving in, in, you know, in legal advice here. Then you talked about joint tenants in common. Mm-hmm. Now there's another one, though. Joint tenants with the rights of survivorship. That's a biggie. This is arguably a lot more common, especially amongst uh, married couples, uh, joint tenants with rights of survivorship is is something, an evolution of the joint with tenants in common uh, in that you know, technically we each would own part of an asset but would have a technical right of survivorship of each other's portion of the asset. I'd say, Jim, go back to the scenario where we own a plot of land together. If you die off in a few years, then all of a sudden I 
uh, obtain ownership of the part of the asset that you own. It's automatic. That's it's automatic. automatic. Exactly. You're going to get it regardless. And, uh, There's an advantage in no that. No one else could even step in. That's exactly that. right. That's good. It's set up automatically. This is a much more common type of ownership than we see uh, even compared to joint tenancy in common uh, in that it does have that simplicity to it, especially amongst a married couple. You know, let me let me just uh, take a sidestep here. We had this to happen years ago, where we had a widowed individual male, a widow female, and over a period of time, they both got married. They both had assets. When we sat down with them, we kind of helped them separate, and you know, said, "Okay, your heirs are going to do this." But the husband in this particular situation decided he wanted to. They wanted to buy a house together. And for the next 17 years, they lived happily ever after, okay? Did all those things. This home, their home, no problems. At death, his death, his children decided to sue the children of the the wife at this point because they said, well, Dad took all of his assets and bought this house, so it's our house. And uh, it was amazing. Of course, the judge looked at it and said, well, how's it titled, guys? And they mm-hmm. didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. And it was titled Tenants uh, with Rights of Survivorship. And so it was not even a question yeah. here. But that's how people sometimes think. And they need to check out how you've got things on yep. titled. If it had been tenants in common, mm-hmm. then half of it would have gone to And then, you know, she would have been living in a home basically owning half of it, that's if she right. would have been allowed to even stay there. That's right. And, uh, so that's that's important. That's a great point mm-hmm. that you brought out there. And number three, what's the third one? Well, on with joints with rights of survivorship, uh, from a creditor protection standpoint, it looks very similar to joint with tenants in common mm-hmm. in the event that you own a half, I own half, that half is uh, subject to our individual creditors. But an evolution from that that is only allowed to married couples in certain states, I believe, don't quote me on this, I believe there's about 18 states across the United States that allow this, uh, but it's a type of ownership called joint tenants by the entirety. Uh, and instead of, I mean, the, way I, the way I verbalize this, instead of each of us owning a certain portion of this asset, joint tenants by the entirety essentially treats an asset as being owned entirely by a married couple. Right. So that it is not an asset half of mine and half of yours from the creditor protection standpoint, but it is instead an asset wholly by our married couple. So in this event, not you and me, Jim, unfortunately. But, uh, again, available only to married couples. Did he say unfortunately? (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately. Uh Uh-huh. but you're, but you're right. So now let me make this is Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee does allow this. Tennessee does allow this. This is one of the major advantages. And again, something that if you have moved from uh, a state where this is not allowed into a state where this is allowed, for example, Tennessee, right. this is a huge opportunity that's been presented to you uh, because all of a sudden it does offer creditor protection from all of your individual creditors. Now, you're still subject to the creditor exposure from the married couple's creditors. But in the event, again, where I mentioned earlier, in the event that I get my identity stolen, uh, well, this asset that is owned by the couple is not up for grabs in bankruptcy court. So let me let me let me tie this into something. If, if I get sued, if, mm-hmm. I, if I decide to drive one night and and uh, not a safe driver and I plow into a group of kids walking down the street and kill three or four and I'm going to get sued by having my my an asset mm-hmm. in this joint tenants by the entirety mm-hmm. is that going to protect my wife 
Which, Unless your wife is somehow also liable in this scenario. She uh, wasn't in the car, so let's assume she's not liable. Yep. That's pretty good. I mean, I think we need to think about that. And again, now, we're not trying to give you anybody legal advice here. We're saying check it out. Mm-hmm. But we know that there's some of this that we're talking about is very viable. So, again, everything we're saying, when you get to this point, you need to, when we will definitely help you find a good, qualified expert in this area, an Mm -hmm. attorney, and walk you through to get it done properly. But we're just trying to get it to 30,000-foot view to give you something to think about, something that you need to protect. If you happen to be in a position, uh, you know, I mean, I did. I ran into somebody 25, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of those freakish little accidents, fender bender, down Poplar Avenue, nobody was hurt. Everybody, we got a. I got a ticket. That was my fault. I ran into the back of them. You know, this is pre cell phones too. I want to mm-hmm. make sure everybody knows I was not texting or re watching a video or anything like that. But the reality is, I thought they were turning. I hit them, no problem. One year later, one year later to the day, I got sued. Mm. And uh, you know, again, it was I took care of that. It was no problem. But but my point was is that you know. By owning something like this, my wife would have been protected. It was a suit for me. She was not liable at all. That's exactly right. I think that's important for people to know. And Mm -hmm. just taking the time, back to what we said earlier, Jeremy, Financial Planning 101 is walking through this type of process. Everybody thinks it's asset management or it's just life insurance. No, it's knowing what your wills and your estate and everything's supposed to say and then how things are titled. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of wills written up by very good attorneys, but property not managed correctly or the, the way it's set up as far as ownership doesn't match with the will. Well, I think the other thing, too, is is you go and speak with a professional or speak with an attorney or speak with a lawyer or speak with a planner. And, you know, you get great advice and, hey, you need to go do this. You need to change the titling to this. You know, all those things. But the problem is if you don't go and do it. Execution, again, is, is critical. You know, you get advice. You go, that's great. That's exactly what I want to do. I'm going to go get that done. And then you leave, walk out the door, and then... You... And six months later, it's still not done. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Our job is to get it done. Inspect, you know, in case you're wondering, we got to get it done. i got to go to a break. we got to take a little time here to listen to Rebecca Brazier in the Mid-South Moment. And uh, that'll be something we're excited about. When we come back, I want to talk about student loans with you, Nathan. Absolutely. You're an expert in it, guys. So Absolutely. We'll find out more. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return after this. For the most courageous among us, handicaps are no obstacle to greatness. When the steamboat Emmy Norman had an onboard explosion after a freak accident, with no other boats around, all seemed hopeless. But Tom Lee, a river worker returning to Memphis alone from Arkansas, acted without hesitation. When he witnessed the Emmy Norman capsize, he steered his 28-foot skiff to the site of the accident and rescued 32 people from the powerful undertow of the river, despite not being able to swim. Without regard for his personal safety, he made five trips to shore and continued to search during the night for survivors. Without Lee's decisive intervention, the entire boat would have sunk with all hands. The passengers Lee rescued were engineers and their families attending a convention in Memphis. To show their gratitude, the Memphis Engineers Club raised enough money to buy a house for Lee and his family. Today in the park, named in Lee's honor, a bronze statue memorializes his heroism. This has been another Mid-South History Moment. 
brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, a few minutes ago, we were talking about some things as far as um, Jeremy and I were going through some facts and, you know, things about uh, the market and being up and down and flexibility. Before the program's over, we're going to give you a couple of guide, guidance things, things that you need strategies to maybe just help you get through this process of this market volatility, the ups and the downs of a correction. It's real. We'll talk a little bit about that. Before we get to that, Nathan, I, there's some questions here. People get caught up, and we know that student loans today are rampant. I mean, you've got more people borrowing money to go to college, and you know, all of a sudden they wake up and they say, oh, my goodness, I'm in debt. I can't do this. I can't ever pay it off. How am I going to pay it off? Do I consolidate? Uh, do I pay my low interest first or high interest first? Do I get aggressively and do I get, you know, and do I try to invest? Do I start my 401k? What all those things? You know how it is. You see so many people in your practice today that uh, the professionals, they've come out of some professional school and they're heavily in debt. Mom and dad's done everything they could. They mortgaged the house five times, <laughs> whatever it takes to get the, you know, the children through school. And now they're faced with this enormous mountain of uh, a debt. Give us some thoughts, this couple of principles that you share with your clients mm-hmm. to help them walk through this. Well, really, when you get to the question of how are you going to repay the debt, you got to keep in mind there's a thousand and one different options as to how you can go about doing it. A 30-year right. plan, a five-year plan. There are forgiveness options now available to just about anybody. Mm. Uh, but whether or not to take the forgiveness option, to pay it off aggressively, to pay it off slowly, uh, I tend to step back and think critically through the implications of whatever decision we may make on the student loans according to three very essential principles. That is, whatever decision we make on the student loans, what are the emotional implications of whatever repayment plan? Twofold to this. Number one, if you hang on to the loan for a long time, well, that, that becomes pretty crushing. You're going you're gonna to panic. You're going to develop ulcers, and we don't want finances to create health right, problems. Right. The other side of the spectrum is if you pay it off very quickly, you have this transitionary pen- period where I would argue that if you pay your loans off at $5,000 a month for three years and get it repaid, that's fantastic. But now all of a sudden you've had the pendulum on one far side of of your finances, really wish really working hard, but all of a sudden your five thousand dollars a month frees up, that gives a transition period for the potential pendulum to swing to the other side and develop some pretty bad habits. So we've got to be cognizant of the emotional implications of whatever we do, positive and negatively. So let me ask you this when you talk about the positive and the negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you very long, but I want to just say emotions really drive this sometimes. Ah, man, yes. Um, Behavioral finances Uh, are as important as mathematics in finances. Talk about the mathematics. Well, the mathematics is really what people come to see me for when it comes down to uh, figuring out how to pay off the student loans. This is simply put the question of... 30 years from now, what decision that I make on the student loans will make me the richest? Is it smarter for me to pursue a loan forgiveness route? Is it smarter for me to uh, pay the loans off aggressively and then once the loans are repaid, begin investing? 
or is it smarter to slow the loan repayment down and invest throughout? Uh, and there's a lot of different variables to consider with that. What's the interest rate on your loans right now? What's your appetite for volatility or rather aggression in your investment portfolio? That say, what kind of rate of return can we expect? Uh, and that helps us that helps us define the mathematic, really the profitability behind whatever question we're going to. We got to take a break. When we come back, though, and, and I, I think Jeremy, you and I see this a lot. People have a tendency with that emotional side is they, in the mathematics, they get them together. Mm-hmm. And they, as you said, the pendulum swings so far to the right, and then it swings back. And they do without so long because they've got to pay this thing off. They've got to. And we agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit about practicality. How do you help somebody through that practical side of paying a loan off? Because that's what you do, and you do extremely well. So if you just tuned in, I am Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones today. We're talking with Nathan Green. He's been on the whole show with us, and that's been because he's got a lot of information for us. We're talking about three stages of understanding loans, student loans. So many people are faced with that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the practicality about it. How do you figure it out? How do you work it? How do you keep the emotions and the maxim- and the mathematics balanced? Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Remember, financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. And, you know, Nathan, we were talking before the break, we were talking about student loans. But reality, we need to make sure that we understand that this is loans in general. That's exactly it, right. Whether it's a car note, house note, credit card, whatever you've done to create a debt, a mountain of debt, mm-hmm. this is what happens to us. We get the emotions get involved. We, we get to get this thinking about, oh, how I get out of this. And so many people get very, very frustrated. I have talked to people over my career that you can just tell they are lost in the maze, and it's very, very difficult because the emotions are controlling them at this point. So somebody that sits down with them, works with them, you know, the mathematics, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I've done this, and I've watched the husband. He gets this huge budget, and it's a major trap. And, the, the I mean, the wife is sitting over going, oh, no. Well, it, it's all about her. He's controlling her. And guess what? He goes out and buys a boat. You know, or a new set of golf clubs. It doesn't apply to him. So you have that practicality in there. Help us through that process. Well, practicality is is simply put the idea that when you pay $2,000 a month towards whatever loan you have, that's not just $2,000 out the window. That's $2,000 worth of cars or, or diapers or house or whatever it is that you need to be buying. So when it comes down to practically, my conversation is simply to say, what are you trying to do? 
Who do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And what does that mean next year? What does that mean 30 years from now? And if we have an understanding, I think it's innate in our, in our DNA to want to have debt repaid and quickly. But the question becomes why and what then? And if we have an idea of what comes after and what we're exactly we're trying to accomplish by repaying the debt, then we can start to back up and treat the debt as simply a roadblock to that barrier uh, and, and practically figure out what's the best way to get to that goal. So, so bottom line, is, is practicality is working together. But working together? If you're married, you've got a spouse that should be able to, you know, some accountability there. Mm-hmm. If you're not married, you know, there's probably somebody that helped you get the loans, work with them. Mm-hmm. But maintain some degree of communication, something of an idea of don't let the mountain just get on top of you. Stay very focused at it and then take it on piece, piece by piece. You talked about a little bit quickly about forgiveness of loans. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different forgiveness plans available these days. Uh, the most common of which for my clientele is what's called the public service loan forgiveness plan. Uh, that's something that uh, anybody who works for a nonprofit organization and has public student loans would technically qualify for. A lot of times it's uh, very profitable. A lot of times it's not all that profitable. The tipping point tends to be if your debt balance is higher than your annual income. But there's a lot of other forgiveness plans out there as well. Well, that's just you've done a great job for us. So it's not just student loans, it's loans. Mm-hmm. So mathematics, emotions, practicality, know how to do that. You talked about titling and avoiding, you know, creditors, how to some strategies. Did a great job with that. Jeremy, one of those good programs. I think we've covered a lot of good information. One reminder though, for this volatility that's going on, do not be an emotional investor. Absolutely. Keep to your plan. Stick to the plan. Think about the future. Don't let short-term news and noise affect your long-term plan. And that is so critical. We appreciate everybody being with us today. Again, we thank you so much. Art Frederick, he is our program director. Nathan Powell. Nathan Powell. Nathan Green's our guest today. Uh, in coordination was Francis Fordner. Eleanor Moskovitz is our production assistant. And Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier, written by Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker. It's been great to be with you today. Jeremy Jones has been with us. Nathan Green has been with us. It's been a wonderful Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jeremy Jones and Nathan Green are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.